Amen. It's okay if I come down here. I don't like being so separated, so I like to come down here and be a little closer to y'all. If you got your Bible, I hope you do. We're going to spend some time tonight in Luke chapter 15. Uh, the, the parables of Luke chapter 15, we find three of them there. We're going to talk about them uh, for a little bit tonight. How many of you believe in the good news? That's not the good news you find on TV, if you can find any good news on TV. It don't matter your perspective of what's happening in the world. I'm talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. Believe, right? The message of good news is hope for the hopeless. You believe that? It is hope for those that at the moment they feel they have no hope. That's what the good news does. There is a, in scripture, overall, there is a big picture, I don't know the way to put this, a, a prophetic undercurrent that, that encapsulates all of scripture. And it's a prophetic undercurrent. And sometimes we have to shake our minds of prophecy as some guy telling me something I need to do in my future or something. Okay, that, that's fine. But sometimes you've got to go big and big picture prophetically is there is an undercurrent to a messed up world that offers you an alternative way to live. That's what is happening. So when it says that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, in what? He's the good news. And what he does is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Ultimately, the undercurrent of prophecy in Scripture is wrapped up in Jesus being the good news. There is an alternative way to live in a messed up world. You believe that? I hope so. That is the Christian life. It is, it's, we got this, this messed up world. You're smack dab right in the middle of it. Now what? The good news says, I got a different way. I'm going to show you a different way. You don't, you don't have to live this way. You have a choice. Follow me. Follow the ways of the world. Got a choice. And the prophetic pool is follow me. Because it, it, it points towards what is to come. What is, what is coming, a new heaven, a new earth. You understand, I could die today. You bury me sometime early next week. Where, where is my spirit? In heaven. Is that the end? Is that the ultimate goal? No, absolutely not. The ultimate thing is, my body is going to be reunited to my spirit, new man, new creation, in, in total. And then there's going to be a new heaven and new earth. And whatever that's about, well, Scripture points some things. It's not entirely clear what it's going to be. But that's what we're pulling. We're pulling. All things are going to be made new. We're in the mess now. We can start having some of that now. That is the prophetic undercurrent of an alternative way to live. I don't have to wait till I get there to start living the Jesus way. You know, Jesus is Lord of this world right now. He doesn't attain lordship when he comes later. He's Lord 
right now. You know what that means? I can follow him right now. And right now, I can live within his kingdom. And that means, well, what it means? New creation. I'm working it out in all facets of my life. That's what the good news does. The good news is the proclamation that Jesus is Lord and what that means for me right now. That's the good news. That's what we should, by the way, still have joy. Remember when, the, when they announced his birth, they said the good news of great joy. Is, is the good news great joy to you today, even though you've been saved 10 years? Does it still bring joy to you today, even though you've just been around this thing for a long time? Did you wake up every day at some point during the day go, oh, wow, I, I just, I, I'm saved. It's all good. I know this isn't working out, but I'm forgiven, and it points me towards something to come. It's going to be all right. That, that's what joy brings you. It just comes and says, hey, oh, by the way, just a reminder. It's good. As a matter of fact, let me just put it this way. You know, I'm getting way out of myself, but let's just put it this way. And I don't know where I saw this. I like this, so I'm stealing this. Each day, you must stay alert to the magnificence of salvation. You write that down. Each day, I got to stay alert to this wondrous thing called salvation that I found in the good news of Jesus Christ. Every day. At some point, a reminder that Jesus is Lord right now. He has saved me, and therefore I can live a different way. Each day, I stay alert to it. I don't forget. I don't let it get piled behind life where I start to get stressed out and worried and, and troubled. Every day, I stay alert to the fact that Jesus is my Lord. He has saved me, and he's leading me a different way. And it's going to be all right. You, you can watch the news, that news, and wonder if it's going to be all right. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder. Then I remember, oh, yeah, we know the end of the story, no matter what happens. We know. It, this is one thing that's good about life. If, if you believe, if you really believe, you got the end of the story. That should bring you peace. No matter what, there's a new heaven and new earth coming. No matter what, because I believe, I'll be a participant in it. Therefore, whatever I experience in this life, I know the end. Amen? That's the good news. And it should be something that sparks you every single day. Stay alert to the magnificence of salvation every day. Anyways, Luke 15. That was a way long intro. Luke 15. Verse number one. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and he eateth with them. Oh, yeah. So Jesus goes into three parables. Three parables that were intended to address everybody who was there. Those that were lost, and those that didn't think they were lost, but, but were. Amen? Now, let's just say this. Matthew 9, 12. Jesus responds to something that's said. He said, 
my paraphrase. Well, it's not those who are well that need a physician, but the sick. And then he said, actually, go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That ought to make you think. For I've come to seek and save that which is lost. What's he saying? That this, this is good news. It's good news that what I want for you is mercy and not sacrifice. Sacrifice has its place, but that's not what I'm after in your heart. Because you can do all that sacrificing out here. It don't mean a whole lot if your heart is right. That's why when Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, your, your righteousness must surpass the Pharisees. Why? Because they did all this stuff out here, but their heart wasn't right. Wasn't drawn to him. So he desires mercy, not sacrifice. And in that, he, he's after those who are lost. That's the good news. I said all what I just said to get there. Jesus is saying, this is what good news is. Watch this. And what man of you having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner, more than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And here that woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found uh, the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. The good news goes after the lost. Have you ever lost something that's valuable to you? Now, I don't lose things much, I'll be honest with you. Because I'm a person, everything has its place person. I, I have the same sunglasses I've had for about 15 years now, no joke. She keeps telling me she's going to get me a new pair because they look stupid, I guess. But I, you know why? Because I put them in the same spot every time I wear them, and when I go get them, they're there. I don't lose my keys. I don't lose money. I, I just don't lose things. So it was hard for me. I was thinking, what have I ever lost, I mean, of a material object, what have I ever lost that, that was just real value? And I really couldn't come up with anything, to be honest with you. But maybe you have. Uh, my daughter, um, my, my wife gave her a ring that belonged to my wife's mother, who is no longer with us, passed away a few years ago from cancer. My daughter lost that ring. She never found it, did she? Oh, she found it. Oh, good. And, and you know what? She's, she's like the old woman that we just read. She had a party. But when she lost it, lots of tears. And we were just, it's just a ring, it's okay, not a big deal. But to her, she thought she let down the whole world, including my mom who's not here. Lost the ring. There, there was something that just grieved her heart. It just hurt her. And if you know my daughter, she's a softie anyways. But, but still, she, she was crying, she was hurt over this ring, and it just really bothered her. We got an example of a, of a sheep and a coin. A coin is just an object. It's not aware of anything. It's just an inanimate object. You got a sheep who's aware but not 
aware that it's aware, if you understand what I'm saying. It's just, it's an animal. And Jesus uses these two things that ultimately don't have any significance. So if the lady never finds her tenth piece of silver, okay, she may not buy her bread. Maybe it was part of a payment for something. It may have meant something, but ultimately she probably was going to make it. The shepherd, he had 99 sheep. So big deal, I lose a sheep. I got 99 others. There's just a lot still to take care of. What's the big deal? Jesus is bringing to a very personal point that everything matters. Everything matters. You think about what the good news does. What does the good news do? The good news is pointing towards a salvation that is big picture. Do you understand that salvation affects the entire cosmos? You know that. That's giant. I, I, lo I love to go out at night and see the stars on, on a clear night. I got an app on my phone where you can hold it up and it tells you if there's a constellation there, what it is, you know, cool stuff. And, and it's to, to, you cannot fathom, when you look, if you really look there, you start to feel very small. And you start, wow, this is just, this is, God, man, you're the stuff. That's just, wow, you know? It affects everything. So big and giant. So big and giant. But yet, it comes down to the very smallest thing. And that is you down to the very corners of your life. Every bit of who you are, salvation affects. It affects everything, but then comes right down to you as an individual, as a unique person before him, fearfully and wonderfully made. That's you. And he, he's not just, oh, he saved Margaret, but he wants to save Margaret, if you get what I'm saying. Oh, she saved. No, no, no. The corners of her heart that nobody knows about, he wants to get right down in there and do the whole new creation thing. Not just make it, but draw it out and live it. He's after that. <coughs> he's after you. And he's telling these people, these sinners and publicans, tax collectors that were listening to him, the love of God is so great that you may seem insignificant in the big scheme of things, you are not. You are a big piece of this big puzzle. And I want you in on it. If you choose to follow this alternative way of going about this life. See, that coin, it didn't run away. It didn't get legs and run. It was dropped. It was placed. She lost it. The sheep, who knows, just wandered off. It wasn't like, yeah, I hate you, shepherd, and leaving. It's just saw something, wanted to eat, and walked off, and he lost it. You, you think of no consequence. But the shepherd and the woman wanted them back so much that when they were found, they threw parties. Parties. So significant to them, they throw apart. You know, you know, the kingdom of God should be full of smiles 
and laughter and celebration. Because those who are in should every day be reminded of the wondrous salvation they have and there should be celebration. And every time somebody comes in, there should be a celebration because there's one going on in heaven. Let's just join in. Because something very, though we would think it's small, something very significant happened. The wondrous, great salvation that is working through the cosmos has hit a very unique, precious individual of God. There's something powerful about that. Amen? And all the more so when we come together and we worship Jesus and you just can't help but, wow, man, this is, and you celebrate, Right? Should be, right? Jesus is after what seems to be insignificant. To the point, by the way, that Jesus is often, often, Jesus is often found on the fringes of society. To those, and I'll say this in a certain way that I hope you understand what I'm saying, that those that are well-to-do and well-off and maybe in power don't like to look that way. But that's where you're going to find Jesus. In the ones that know they need help versus the ones that don't think they need help. Amen? Jesus always gathers from the outside and brings in. Remember, that I hope you think about these things, but, but the last shall be first. And the first, and those are the ones that think they're first, they're going to help last. That should give you pause about the way you think about other people or the way you try not to think about other people or like to think yourself in a great place of status in the kingdom versus somebody who was not. Remember Jesus told a nice parable about that. The Pharisee came up to pray, told God all the great things he does. I tithe and I do this, that, and the other thing. And then there was a sinner, wouldn't even purse, wouldn't even look up, beat his chest and said, I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, who, who went home justified before God? The guy that did all the sacrifice stuff or the guy that went after mercy? The last shall be first the first is going to be last. Well, Jesus goes to clarify this. And, and there are two great, great parables. They're all great parables. Two great parables that we talk about the most a lot of time. You have the parable of the Good Samaritan and the parable of the prodigal son. Both of them ultimately were digs at the religious leader, if you didn't know that. And we'll explain it in a minute here. But Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep. He tells the parable of the lost coin. Then he comes to the parable of, of, the, of the prodigal son. Again, a sheep who's aware but not aware. It's aware of a coin that has no awareness to a person. That not only is aware but aware he's aware and has choices. And if you notice, there, there's a distinction with this parable is the coin was lost, but whatever. It was dropped. The, the sheep wandered off but wasn't just a rebellion. But, and in both cases, the woman went to look for the, the coin. The shepherd went to look for the sheep. Now we got a boy 
who takes his inheritance and decides to do his own thing. He made choices. And by the way, in, in that culture, if you, you get your inheritance, like us, but it, 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 it meant more, when the patriarch passed away, the inheritance were given. So for me to come to you and say, I want my inheritance to do my own thing, I'm basically saying, Dad, you're dead to me. I want to live my own life. It was pretty, pretty harsh. This was somebody living the good life, decided he wanted a different, he thought maybe a better life. Give me my money. I'm going to do it my way. And he runs off. And we don't find the father necessarily looking for him. But, but there's a reason because Jesus kind of set it up to show you, yes, the father comes after the sheep. And yes, he comes after the coin. All right. But, but it puts it in a different way. For those that run off, the father's always waiting. It, let's kind of read this. And it's a long parable. I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing. So let me, let me break this up a little bit. We're approaching 8 o'clock here. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. Can you imagine? Riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have, would have, fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. In other words, he wanted to eat what they had. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish from hunger. Now, understand something. This kid is not saying, man, I wronged my father. I want to go back. He's saying, I need something to eat. And my father's servants live better than I'm living. He really wasn't repenting in his heart. He just found himself in a place where he just wasn't making it. You have to understand that. So what's he do? He goes back. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as the... Thy, one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great far off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And now he comes in repentance. And he said unto him, Father, I have sinned. Now we have repentance. And in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For my son who was dead is alive again. And he was lost. And he is found. And they began to be merry. The great love of God that would search for a lost sheep even though he already had 99, that would search for a silver coin even though he already still had nine. What greater thing than to see his son who was lost? Can you imagine God running towards you?
God, God is not in heaven sitting on his throne. Demanding. Worship me. Demanding worship out of you. He could demand worship out of all of us. Know that. Right? Does he demand you to worship him? No. We're commanded. You don't got to. The picture that Jesus gives of God is that God runs towards the lost. Does God run? Yeah. He runs to those who backs were turned towards him and just turned their head over their shoulder. He runs. Because God loves you so much, he's not going to miss his opportunity to bring you back into his kingdom. For the son that was dead, he's going to be alive again. He was lost that he is found. See, Jesus tells the story in such a way because the sheep and the coin didn't need to have any repentance or any turning back. When it comes to people, we got to. There has to be a response to, to the good news that has been proclaimed. But when, when God starts to get that little... I don't know what it would be like to see God running, but it would probably scare me at first. I don't know. It's just, this is God we're talking about here. Trucking down the road, I don't know. He, he, he just runs. But it's not a harsh running. He didn't, he didn't get to his boy and step back. I tell you what, and give him the business. Wasn't mean to him. Didn't say, I'll let you, but, but first you have to tell me sorry. First, uh-uh. He got all over that kid. Probably didn't care what the kid had to say. Got all over him. Let's have a party. My son, who went off and did his own thing, figured out his own thing wasn't good. The ways of this world don't get you nowhere. But if he will come and stay within the life that I offer, he's going to have everything he always wanted anyways. And he, he just gobbles that kid up. Can you imagine if your kid ran away from home? My son Ryan, when he was, I don't know, he was a kid. He just got hacked at me. He was, just, he was a pretty strong-willed kid. He got mad at me. I'm running away from home. And I don't know if he packed a little bag or what he did. He went out of our house, went down to the corner, and sat down. He, he ran away from home. He went 30 yards out the front door. And we had, we had a good laugh about this, but, but in my, if he'd actually got older and went, didn't want nothing to do with mom and dad. What you're trying to do to me, I don't like it. Your rules are terrible. I know a better way. It's just what we do when we sin, right? We, we, we know a better way. We're going to do it our way. But I can imagine if he'd come running home, I'd have been like God. I don't know about you. I've been running that, that road to meet him. But how much greater? I, I can't, I love my kids. I can't match the love of God. How much greater 
is a love that causes God to run towards the, he, the kid. Listen, the kid did not repent. He just saw him on the road. And the father went after him. How much greater is that love for God that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He, he went after us. He went looking for that lost sheep. He went looking for that lost coin. He, he went running after the son. If it just turned his head back, he's, he's coming for you. God is ever seeking to break into your life. He won't do it in such a way that he overrides your free will, but he's ever seeking to break into your life and bring you home. Ever seeking. That's the God who runs. That's not an old man sitting on a throne doing nothing, just waiting to get mad at people. That's a God who runs, who chases after you. We're singing that song. Overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And he gets after us. That is the good news of Jesus. That's what it produces. The good news came because of love. The good news lives in that love. And the good news get after things in that love. That's what God, God is love. And everything that he does flows through that. Even judgment flows through that love. Everything. So he, he's telling the story. The, the sinners and tax collectors there, they're with him. But remember, the, the religious dudes are there too. So he wasn't done with the story yet. So he goes on. Now that his elder son, verse 25, was in the field. And he came and drew nigh to the house and heard music and dancing. He called on one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And but by the way, the, the older brother, again back to celebration, he heard music. He heard dancing. He didn't see, he heard people dancing. Can you imagine being down the road and people are dancing in such a way you can hear them dancing? I don't know. That just to strike an image in your mind about the celebration of the kingdom of God. And he called one of the servants, asked what these things meant. And he said to him, thy brother has come, and thy father has killed the fat, fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress thy, thy, uh, any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid or, or, or a ram, that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as I, this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with the harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou hast always been with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meat that would, should make merry and be glad, for thy brother was dead, and his life again was lost, 
is found. The brother was mad. I never did what that kid did. I did everything you wanted me to do. Never threw a party for me. Religious jealousy. See, see again, Good Samaritan prodigal son ultimately digs at the religious leaders. They tell a great story, but they ultimately digs at the religious leaders. Because Jesus was bringing into the kingdom people that weren't like them. Actually, we're known to be big sinners. The kid was, remember, riotous living. And the older brother said, the guy was with prostitutes. Kidding me? He spent his money on women. All he does is walk down the road, you go hug him, and we throw a party so much I hear dancing and music in the distance. Come to, and you, you, you kill the best cat for him. What am I? I've been here this whole entire time. Father said, listen, and then the whole time, everything you had was, everything I had is yours. The whole time. If the brother had a choice, he'd have shut the gate on his brother. Can't come in, you filthy sinner. I deserve a seat at the table because of my great religious living. You don't deserve a seat at the table because you're a sinner. There can't be any gatekeepers in the kingdom of God. There is one gate, and that's Jesus. And he invites you to enter in the gate. Open invitation. Open invitation. But in the church, we have people that want to be gatekeepers. I deserve to sit at the table. I haven't done that prostitute stuff. I've been following all your commands this whole time. But you can be like the Pharisee from the other. I give my tithes. I keep the laws. You don't deserve to be here. And the father's disappointed. See, Jesus makes it very clear. He talks about the narrow road. The way is narrow. And he said the way is hard. It is not the job that those who are already on the way to make it harder than it is for other people to join us. It's hard on its own merit. To follow Jesus in a messed up world isn't always easy. It's not our job to make it harder for other people. Because they're not quite so good at being spiritual as us right now. We should be excellent at welcoming those that are not good at being spiritual at this time in their life. Excellent. Not making it hard. Not tell them they don't get a seat at the table. That's what the brother wanted. He wanted it all for himself. None for you, you filthy sinner. And it was, it was the big problem that, that 
the religious leaders had with Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors in the first place. Don't you know that makes you unclean? No, I've come to make the unclean clean. That's why I'm with them. And if you learn your lesson, you'd be helping me. Amen? See, this, this, this big story of salvation that comes right down to the smallest thing, you, isn't for you to keep privately to yourself. Jesus, we can say Jesus is your personal Savior, but he's certainly not your private Savior. Right? Therefore, if it's good news, then all the more that we want everybody to have this good news. Okay. You all want revival? Yeah, I'm not sure. Because this place will get a little messy. We have a problem in church of talking about this wonderful grace of God, but then getting mad at people for needing it. And condemning people for needing it. Years ago, I'll close up real soon. Years ago, when I first was youth pastor here, we started praying this, this really ridiculous prayer. I know I've told you this. We started praying, God, bring us all the kids nobody else wants. <laughs> then they started coming. And then people got mad. I heard some kid walking over there use the F word. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, you know, I'm sorry I'll talk to that kid, but what do you want? Thank God a kid who doesn't know how to talk better came to church to hear the good news. I don't, know, I don't know what you want. I had kids smoking out back of the building. Oh, my gosh, you thought, you thought somebody was shooting missiles at the church. I said, what do you want me to do? I got these kids that are addicted to cigarettes. I want them to sit for my entire service. So get their smoke before they come in so they sit down and listen to what I got to say. If, if you don't want them to be addicted to their cigarettes before they come, they will never come. We want revival, but I'm not sure we're ready for the mess. Because we want to be gatekeepers and keep it out because I need my spot at the table. Listen, when those kids came on the property, God was ready to run to them. And we're mad. I can't believe there's kids smoking on the property. When the God of the universe was ready to turn into the running God, we're getting mad. You, you see what I'm getting at? He was digging the Pharisees. Look, they're not going to come in by your rules. By, they're not going to look like you. They're not going to act like you. It's going to take them a while to clean some stuff up. So don't get mad when they come in, and I give them just as much as I would give you if you were doing it right. Remember the parable that Jesus told about hiring workers? Hired some in the morning. Agreed a wage to them. In the middle of the day, he hired some more. In the middle of the day, at the end of the day, he paid them all just the same. And who got mad? Well, obviously the ones in the morning. Again, who's he talking to, religious leaders? Listen, he doesn't differentiate when you come, how you come, the means by which you get there. 
He's throwing a party with the fatted calf for every single one of them, even if they don't fit in your neat little box when they come in. Amen. Amen. So if we really want the good news to be the good news, we're just going to have to get ready to accept it. Amen. But wait a minute. What about their mess? That's why they're at the table with Jesus. Yeah, so he can deal with the mess. And by the way, sometimes the stuff you think is mess is not the stuff he thinks is mess. So let him sort it out. Amen? Thank gosh. My first roommate in college, his name's Scotty Gibbons, uh, he ended up being the top youth pastor in the, in the entire Assemblies of God. We got to school together. We played football and evangel together. He had been saved his whole life, never smoked, never drank, never did nothing wrong. Me, I got saved two months before I went to Bible college. <laughs> but I met a guy who wasn't a religious leader. I did, did I still curse? I was, I was called to Bible school, got to Bible school, was studying to be a youth pastor, and I was still learning not how to use bad language. Still learning to clean up lust in my life. Still, I'm, I'm going to Bible classes. I'm still learning how to do this stuff, right? And my roommate was just like, never said not one thing to me. Never, never said spit to me. And my first thing was, I need to quit because I can't ever be like Scotty. Kid's perfect. But then I started seeing something else is, well, I guess... If Scotty really, I mean, you can't hide much from your roommate when you live with him. You know what I'm saying? So if, if he can get on with me, I guess maybe I got a shot. Thank goodness for that guy. That helped me see that I could get there. But he could have tried to slam the door in my face and say, eh, 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 eh. I'm called to be a youth pastor. You're called to be, listen, pal, I'm going to make it. You're not because look at you. He very easily could have did that. Very simply. That grace that I was receiving from God got echoed through my roommates. Amen? So, God ran towards you at some point. Live in that every day. But then, do everything you can do to make sure God is running towards everybody else too. And don't try to get in the way. Amen? Let's pray. We'll close up. Lord, I thank you. Wow, for your wonderful love. Wonderful love. And I pray again, Lord, that, that each and every day we live in the joy of our salvation. In the midst of our struggles that we face sometimes in life, that we have peace because we know that you are with us. You have not left us and you're for us. But in the midst of that, not only do we not want to get in the way of, of, of you and your love and finding and searching and running towards others, that we want to participate in that also. That we will reach out. And we will, we will play part in this big story of salvation that comes down to the, each individual person. I pray we do that. We live it every single day. In Jesus' name, everybody.